This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, October 15th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And it is a very special edition of Invest Talk, and I'll get to that in a moment. But, uh, you know, this has been a wild ride for investors this year, and we're moving fast toward the election. What, two and a half weeks left until Election Day? And we know that there's going to be volatility. And you need to develop strategies and implement strategies that are designed to navigate this type of environment. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and today in this program I'm, and podcast, I'm going to do my best to provide you with the unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. And as always, we are taking your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, the market today, a modest down day. NASDAQ was down the most, about half a percent. S&P was down five points, 0.15%. Very modest de- down day. Still a lot up in the air when it comes to stimulus. Uh, the, uh, the White House has come out said, we want more stimulus. They want to up the offer from what the Republicans in the Senate have, have put forth. Uh, but the Republicans in the Senate have also not backed what the White House is saying either. So it still seems like they're far apart on stimulus, and we know how important that's going to be into the next leg of the uh, economic rebound. And, you know, I still think we will not have a stimulus by Election Day, and thus it'll probably be pushed off until the inauguration in January. But something definitely to continue to watch for the balance of the month and thus the year. Now, our focus point today is really a conversation starter, and it's about a company that uh, I'm intimately uh, familiar with. It's called Hyperice, and we are lucky today to have the founder and president of Hyperice here with me to talk about the industry and the deal that was just announced with a slew of uh, professional athletes. And I think that's going to be a very exciting conversation. But let's start off this show with our first caller, which uh, is what we always do. So let's check in our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hey, good afternoon, Justin and Steve. This is Andrew calling from Salt Lake City, Utah. My question today is centered around 10Ks, and I'm just curious how much stock you guys actually put into reading those, trying to get to uh, the good information in them, and what kind of information are you specifically looking for when you are looking at those? Love to hear your answer. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. There's, there is a wealth of knowledge within a 10K, and a 10K is the annual report that public companies put out, and uh, it's both a financial report, but also a discussion by management on the direction of the company, the industry, and the strategy they're deploying. So there's certainly a, a wealth of information, and that's really what we're, what I get out of it. You can get the financial data kind of anywhere. I want to hear from the management on 
what their strategy is uh, for, the, for the coming year, how they see the previous year and what challenges or uh, successes they, they may have had and how to build on them or, or correct the, the problems. So uh, there's certainly a wealth of, of data in there. And if you're serious about understanding a business, uh, both in the, you know, the near term and the long term, uh, 10K is certainly a wealth of information. So uh, I, I like digging into those. It takes some time. Some of them are, many of them are hundreds of pages long. You know, they have whole teams of investor relations uh, departments that, that, uh, that build those and put those out uh, as well as with, with the management. So uh, there's certainly uh, important factors to consider when looking at business, especially ones that maybe aren't as high profile. Now we're headed into a quick break, but after the break, we're going to get into our interview today uh, with our uh, our guest for our Invest Talk Select Sector Spotlight series, and I'm excited for it. So, if you have any questions, I encourage you to reach out 99 chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. What a difference a year makes. A pandemic, financial shutdown, and market volatility. You've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Welcome back to Invest Talk, and we're going to jump right in to our interview today with president and founder of Hyperice, Anthony Katz. Welcome, Anthony. Good to be here. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a while since uh, since we've been friends, and uh, just for just for disclosure, yep. I will say that uh, I am an investor uh, in, in Hyperice, um, but with this new news that just came out. Was it last week? Last Thursday. Last Thursday. Uh, that a, a bunch of high-profile athletes invested into a high price and uh, valued the company at $700 million. And, you know, it's been a, a long journey over the past decade. You know, we've known each other for, what, uh, about 12 years? Well, 13. 13, something like that. And, you know, back then you were, you were a teacher. Mm-hmm. And now you're a global entrepreneur. So, what would you say a few of your top things you've learned over that uh, that decade plus? Uh, you know, building a company from literally just an idea that we would stand in the parking lot to, uh, at Capo and talk about uh, to today with this huge news. Well, you know, I look back on it, and I my background in education I think set me up really well for my background in business. In education, you know, you you know, going through school and grad school, learning to, to, to basically have a curiosity about the world and you have to have a, the, uh, the curiosity to learn new things and be open to, to exploration of, you know, new fields of study. And, and so I didn't know anything about business when I started, you know, I, I didn't take business classes in, um, in college. I took a lot of history and film classes and, um, so I wasn't really well suited and I was highly unlikely to ever go into this, but, um, the one thing I did learn, and what did prepare me for what is just, you know, the value of people and relationships, you know, and I think that, you know, when you're an educator, um, you're connecting with young people, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're meeting people from your community and really understanding the importance of relationships. 
and really when I've been asked this question before is like, what do you think is like one of your big attributes of why high price is what it is? And I, I basically say, look, if there's one thing I'm good at, it's just, I'm a good talent scout. I'm able to identify people that are talented, hardworking, dedicated, and just good people with integrity. And if you put enough of those people around you, um, there's no founder or inventor or anyone who has all the skill sets to build a company this size. There's just a, a, a plethora of skills needed um, in an organization. I am very good at f very few things and really bad at everything else. So I needed more good people around me. And um, if, there, if I'm good at one thing, it was always just really being able to identify people um, and just, you know, sometimes you have to make these judgments. And even Steve Jobs said, you know, you have to be the ultimate talent scout because you're making a judgment on someone not really knowing a ton about them. You know, it might not be someone you've known for a long time. You could meet someone through a contact like my CEO, Jim Heather, who, who we brought on a CEO in 2015. You know, I met him one time and, you know, not knowing his history or anything, uh, there was just something about him. And then I, you know, brought him on as our VP of biz dev. And within a couple of months, he was our CEO. So you have to make judgments on people that you don't have a ton of information on, but you, you, that judgment of character and that judgment of, some you know people's ability to learn and, and grow is um, I think a, you know as important as any. Forget about what I do as a product developer or brand developer. Um, just the human skill of of relationships I think is ultimately important. And being humble enough to know that, like you said, that you're not good at certain things. You're good at others, but you, you have the humbleness to say, okay, you know, because I think a lot of people, especially if you have a little bit of success, they, they want to try to do everything or they think they know a lot. They, they know how to do it this way and know how to do it that way. Um, and, you know, even with the success you have, you know, we've been friends for a long time and you're, you're still kind of, you're still the same guy that I remember, you know, back when we were playing basketball together. Um, and so yeah. I think that's, that's certainly key. Yeah. Well, and I think the big thing is that, you know, I mean, at the high level, Hyperice is a partnership between myself and Jim Heather, our CEO. And I never once have ever, you know, cared about who got credit for something or who was named in what article. You know, there's there's been a lot more, you know, media around us lately in the financial, um, you know, publications. And I'm mentioned in some and there's others where I'm not quoted or mentioned at all. And I could don't even read them, first of all. Yeah. But I don't care at all because my whole thing is like, you know that your company's doing well when other people are getting credit, you know, when, when other people around you are starting to get credit. Cause there really is nothing more petty to me and more egotistical than like fighting over who gets credit for what and everything. Look, if you are confident in your work and you know your contribution, I don't go to bed at night worrying about what some guy reading an article thinks of me or uh, the credit for high price. Yeah. who gets it. Look, you know, my, I was actually, you know, last week was a big media week for us. We were featured in Bloomberg and CNBC and TechCrunch and Wall Street Journal um, about the raise. And, um, you know, I think it was sort of like our moment where we kind of arrived on the financial scene. And to me, it wasn't a, it wasn't even in my top five days in high price. I was more happy for 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 Jim because I know that's his world and he really loves that. I mean, as a creative I was, you know, focusing on some other creative project and it was like, Hey, that's great. But you know, it's not the most important thing. So, um, you're more excited about having the athletes to use in the creative. I was, space. yeah, I was happy that like, you know, we were able to pull in a really great group of people and, um, a really strategic group of people and that the athletes investing, I think we had about, uh, I don't know the exact number. I think it's 17 and it could go up to 20. Um, and it's been, um, you know, they invested because they use the products and believe in them and believe in the company and the mission. And it's sort of the, you know, the Warren Buffett adage, you know, you invest what you know, and athletes really know recovery and it's their livelihood. So 
it was it was even more validation for the brand and that was why it was a big moment yeah now you talked a little about jim huther the ceo your ceo also i know your vp rob marton and there's a bunch of other uh leaders within your organization that uh, have contributed to uh the success so what what would you say though makes a great management team because i talk about that a lot here on the show that uh it's not just about the numbers it's about having great leaders that can can uh can drive the company forward to uh not only thrive in the current environment but going forward as the industries evolve well for us at least on our team i think a management team that has a diverse skill set right Jim is a brilliant business mind, strategic mind, um, and a great salesman. I mean, just uh, is amazingly talented. Um, we have Robert Marton, whose background is engineering and really knows manufacturing. He grew up with a manufacturing pedigree. His dad was on machine shops for the auto industry. So he really knows manufacturing, which is core when you're a company that's making things, right? Um, and then you know our, our other VPs, you know, Ashley Engel, who is a former um, national team volleyball player, All-American at Texas, um, who is just a great leader on the sales. She's a RVP of sales, but just such a great leader where she just can get people to follow her and is just um, just really kind of a, almost like a um, is a is a mentor to some of our younger employees. And, 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 and so you kind of bring that competitiveness, competitiveness into the, into the yes. hype race uh, culture, a culture yeah. That, yeah. that can drive uh, not just innovation, but right. the sales side and the di- distribution of, of the great products, right? Right. And then you have another VP of BizDev, um, uh, Joseph Cannon, who's just um, a great relationship guy and a really creative business mind, meaning we can meet a new partnership and he can craft it in a way that really helps grow the brand. And, um, you know, we acquired Norma Tech this year, which was the other, um, you know, sort of founding company who founded the recovery category along with us. And, um, we brought their management team into our culture. And so I would say what makes a great, you know, um, a culture that the management team could all contribute in and people want to, um, feel that their, um, their voice and their work is actually, you know, being implemented into the company and, and, you know, seeing sort of, you know, the, the all that that harvests. And so, um, you know, look, I always say it, good companies have good people, average companies have average, average people. And great companies have great people and the best companies have the best people. I mean, right. companies are really just a collection of people and then everything that comes out of and those their people. Ep- their is- efforts and their ideas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now we're going to go to uh, a break, but after the break, I want to dig into a little bit more about the, the niche that Hyperice fills and how important that has been. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And summer is in the rearview mirror and you need help managing your portfolio, your risk, and uh, the treacherous market that we know is ahead going into the election. So let's talk about what is ever on your mind. If you have a question for Anthony, give us a call at 888-99-CHART. It's been another Investor Thursday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility. And you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Welcome back. Now, we are here with president and founder of High Price, Anthony Katz. And Anthony, 
you know, high-price products have certainly evolved throughout the years. It's, and what, what I think is most interesting about the, the, the company is that it is, spill, it is not just filled, but it's actually kind of created a new industry, right? The recovery space. It was, uh, I mean, what, what did that look like really before you, you arrived on the scene, what, a, a decade ago? When did you first sell your first icing product? Well, the, when I think people hear like recovery, like right now we are the official recovery partner of, you know, some of the major sports leagues, NBA, NFL, UFC. And so when people say, what's your official recovery partner, uh, you know, recovery is sort of the, the term that sort of encompasses like body care, right? So, you know, there's, you know, an interaction that athletes have with technology in all different, like kind of, you know, stages of, of their, of their day and their routine, which is, you know, properly warming up, you know, properly recovering after a game or, or a practice or a training, and then sort of the day-to-day like body maintenance. And it's all about basically keeping your body in this, you know, this, this condition where you're, you're getting ahead of things. You're, you're avoiding preventing being soreness or addressing soreness or addressing some sort of, it could be potentially like a nagging injury you have. Recovery sort of has encompassed all of that. And so um, before us, um, you know, the recovery industry didn't really exist. It was just you go to professional sports training rooms and you'd see expensive medical devices that were made by medical device manufacturers and you had to have a trainer administered on the player and then the player was sort of on their own to kind of, you know, get massages or whatever and, it was. And now you're seeing on sides of uh, the sidelines of the NBA where the players have the hypervolt, the massage gun that they're just yeah. using. Yeah, right, and you'll see in themselves. the MLB as well in the dugout or in the bullpen and it's sort of like we're, we're in- introducing is this idea that athletes can use technology in-game, having an in-game activation to where it's becoming sort of part of, um, you know, just the, 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 the rhythm of a game or it's just sort of a known kind of, you know, behavior now that it's like, okay, you know, when an NBA player comes out and gets on the bench, you'll, if you watch NBA, you'll see guys wearing what looks like sort of a black sheath around their body with like a red, you know, digital screen on the front. That's our venom. It's a heated vibration wearable. And that basically keeps, you know, muscles and fluid, like, you know, hot, loose in the body when they're sitting, keeping them warm. You'll see guys using a hypervolt, which is a percussion device, which basically keeps the soft tissue in ideal condition when you're about to play or about to run, jump, whatever you're doing. So we've introduced these new technologies and we've changed sort of the behaviors of athletes not only doing them on their own time or before or after, but it's like now we're getting the in-game activation, which to me will only further kind of introduce the product and behavior to more and more people as they watch, you know, these, the, you know, whatever your favorite sport is. And we're essentially created a new category. It's like you have the hygiene industry, right? Where it's Sonicare, Oral-B, Scope, you know, Glide, Dental Floss, yeah. all these different things where it's like, that's just what you do to take care of your oral hygiene, right? So, well, there's a whole, you know, soft tissue system of our body, which is the largest, makes up most of our mass. So we're trying to create this category for basically like soft tissue hygiene where people will look at, you know, a Hypervolt like they look at a Sonicare toothbrush. It's like I have my toothbrush for my teeth. I have my Hypervolt for my body. Um, well, and, I, and I think a big factor of, of the success, obviously innovating great products and things like that, but the fact that you didn't, you're not going up against a huge behemoth yeah. already, right? You're, you're becoming behemoth in that, in that space. 
But uh, I think it's a lesson for, for other businesses, other industries that um, so many comp- so many people, this is why some people have, have launched uh, clothing companies, right? That 99.999% of them don't go anywhere because you're going up against other, other behemoths. You're not really filling uh, a niche. Uh, and I think you've discovered a niche that really needed to be innovated and filled. Yeah, well, we created the category along with Normatech, who we acquired this last year. And um, like I said, when it, you know, there, you could ask the question, okay, well, what's easier? Is it easier to launch a company in a category that's already very mature and you doesn't need a lot of explaining like beverages or apparel, knowing that you're starting out with no market share and you're trying to gain market share or create a whole new category, which has a whole different set of challenges, which is like introduce new products, introduce new behaviors, educate the market on that. Um, so, but there's a bigger payoff if you can create a new category because yeah. you kind of, you know, for us, you know, it's Hyperice and Normatech as the two leaders in the category. We acquired them. The way I kind of explain it to, I would guess, some of your listeners would be, you know, in the personal computer revolution, which started in the very, very early 1980s, this would be like in 1982 if Apple bought Microsoft, right? It was, the, it, the industry was new. It started out as hobbyist, the computer industry, and then it started to spill over into like the masses. And now everyone has a computer, you know, yeah. 10 years later, everyone had a computer at their home. Now what you're seeing is, we started with professional athletes, then down to Olympic athletes, college athletes, and then now those behaviors are that they've now spilled over into the broader culture. And now you see our biggest account is Best Buy. So it just shows that it's been adopted by the masses. And as we continue to, uh, you know, to, to grow and as as our league partnerships tend to give the brand more exposure, I just think that you know, you know, soft tissue hygiene or body care recovery, whatever it is, will be an everyday thing. It, it will. That yeah. is any other sort so, of thing you do for your health. You have a Peloton bike, you have a Normatec, you yeah. have a... So, so, you, so you know. you're going to have a, a Hypervolt just like you have an electric toothbrush. That's, that's, the, that's the goal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's very interesting. And after the break, I, what I want to get to is the industry, right? The fitness industry, where we're going post-pandemic, uh, kind of a brief history of the industry, and maybe what type of companies will be successful coming out of it. On the next Invest Talk, the COVID-19 pandemic has made open enrollment research critical. Steve will get to that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, Bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Alex calling from Virginia. I wanted to know what you guys thought of Etsy. E-T-S-Y. I wanted to know if you guys thought this is a COVID stock and the success is coming from that or if you see uh, success for them moving forward. Um, Obviously, the e-commerce game has been really strong with COVID, but it had been playing into it beforehand. So wanted to see what you guys thought of it moving forward and if it kind of could rival, you know, some of these bigger plays and like Amazon in the e-commerce world. So, yeah, I will look forward to hearing from you guys on the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, for the show. Have a great day. Bye. All right, he's looking at Etsy, E-T-S-Y. This is a online retailer that allows sellers to sell handmade goods, vintage items, uh, crafts, arts and crafts, things like that. Uh, and it's doing very well, $19 billion valuation. Trailing 12 months, it's done roughly about a billion dollars uh, in sales, $300 million in free cash flow, $365 million trailing 12 months. But that is pretty expensive still on a $19 billion uh, valuation. No debt, which I like, uh, very, very clean balance sheet. But you're paying about 75 times EBITDA, which uh, is uh, pretty extreme in my book. So uh, I like the name, uh, just not at these prices. Probably closer to 60 or $70 a share versus 150 would be my valuation. Thanks for the call. Now let's get back into it with Hyper Ice founder and president, Anthony Katz. And... You know, let's, uh, let's touch on the industry, I, I think, as a whole, because that's what I really like to, to focus on in these interviews is really the, the, the sector as a whole. And, you know, the fitness industry, which you're kind of a part of, right? You're, you're not selling fitness equipment itself, but equipment to help people, right, with their fitness or actually uh, take part in fitness activities. Now, the industry as 
a whole has evolved from we had large gyms like 24 hour fitness la fitness back in the the 90s early 2000s then we moved into kind of niche offerings like orange theory and uh f20 was f45 that's what it is yeah and now we're post covid with uh, the next phase in the fitness industry peloton right is doing very very well uh, why don't you talk a little about that evolution and, and kind of where you see the industry going post covid well, if I was going to give a sort of a macro um, synopsis or summary of what the fitness industry has been the last, you know, call it 30 years, uh, you know, the fitness industry really kind of modern day really starts in the mid 1990s. Um, you know, in the 1980s, it was very niche and, you know, they used to call them health clubs and, you know, there really was no national chain of, you know, 24 hour fitness didn't even exist. It was, you know, family fitness and it had, uh, you know, two gyms up in Lafayette, California at the turn of 1990. Um, so, you know, really in the, you know, it's called 1995. You know, you have the deregulation of the su the supplement industry. You have an increased awareness of fitness, and there was sort of this um, you know kind of expansion of the fitness industry after the early 90s recession into you know building you know more and more fitness clubs. And you know, the kind of in the 1990s, it was really kind of free weights and treadmills. I mean, that was yeah. really what it consisted of. And you had um, you know people that worked out. This is kind of where you worked out. You know, you you know, 24 hour fitness was, was you know a, a big player in LA fitness and some of the more you know kind of old valleys and golds and all that. Yeah. Um, and that really kind of dominated the late 90s. Uh, you know, into the you know first half of the first decade of 2000s. Um, you know, right around 2000, you have the founding of Equinox and Lifetime Fitness, which Equinox, the premium experience, you know, the 100, you know, now whatever it is, $160 a month club, and uh, Lifetime Fitness, which was the, you know, the family version of a, of a higher end experience. So what you have is, you know, in the first decade of the 2000s, um, you know, that's sort of, they were the players and that was sort of, you know, the, that was the industry. Then after the financial crisis, you saw commercial real estate falling and people wanting to have a more community experience. And that really kind of, there was three trends that converged. One was this new functional fitness that had, you know, been around a long time, but never really kind of not, not much of a market CrossFit, for it. CrossFit, right. right. Yeah. And so CrossFit's actually a brand, um, but functional fitness is what CrossFit is, is the category. And so um, basically what you have with, with at this time is people... Um, People, you know, buying, you know, these, you know, thirty cents on the dollar after financial crisis, they call them boxes, and then converting them into these gyms and people kind of working out in smaller communities, and so you started to see a little bit of, you know, departure from the big box gyms, and then really it was like the rise of yoga and Pilates. It was like two industries that were, you know, considered, you know, really kind of, you know, new age hippie, and before that, started to become much more popular amongst males and, you know, and just in the culture as, as a whole. So you had people going to yoga studios, Pilates studios, and then in the mid to you know that the next following decade you have the rise of spin and boot camps and then group fitness dominated by orange theory and, and, and later f45 so the, the industry kind of what you had is you had let's say you have 100 people that all worked out at a big box 24-hour fitness you know by the end of the this last decade in 2019 you might have had 50 of those people because the other 50 have now gone out into these boutiques so the 2010 to 2019 is really the rise of the boutique and community-based fitness smaller in numbers, more premium, more customized, and then you had, you know, the you know, people that were like, hey, they would go to Soul Cycle one day and they would do a yoga class another day, and you know, in 2019, I remember, you know, having a because we we work with all these companies saying like, how are they all expanding? 
I mean, just there, something's got to give. It just felt yeah, like no was, one's going to be a member to, to yeah, all of them. Yeah, and it just felt like you know a lot of them were franchise models, which really sets you up for like, hey, they want to grow, so they want to open more doors and not yeah. really caring as much about the performance of each door. Yeah, and cannibalization of sales and stuff like that. And you've seen that. That's that they've been hurting, uh, you know, during during the shutdown and everything, right? So yeah. So what do you, so what co- do you well, see? COVID. Well, let me let, let me let one more point. So COVID comes like and just all of a sudden presses stop on the whole movement, right? Yeah. In nineteen. 19- 2019, it was blue sky and they were, people were just going to keep opening doors and more doors and fitness was just like, you know, people without thinking about it would go into gyms and that was how it was. Then COVID hits and it really just put a pause on everything and that industry got really affected because now you couldn't really do it. And so what it really led to was those people who had worked so hard to, you know, to, to maintain their health said, well, I still got to do something. And that led all those consumers to flock to the digital platforms. And so you see Peloton stock going. I mean, I don't know what the market cap was a year ago. Probably you know three billion or whatever it was, yeah. and now it's you know thirty five or whatever. And so what you're seeing is the flock of the in, like call it like the brick and mortar customer going to Peloton, Mir, Form, uh, Tonal. I mean, I get going on and on. Um, and so that's why you've seen the investor class follow the consumer into these spaces, and that's why you've seen. The rise of Peloton and some of these other, you know, Lululemon acquires Mirror, uh, Mirror for five hundred million dollars on less than a hundred million in revenue, and you're starting to see, you know, so so. If, but the bigger question is like, well, what does this all mean, and what does it mean long term? People, it's not a binary question. It's not like, oh, is everyone going to work at home forever, or is it going to go back to the gyms? And the answer is, I don't think either. I think there is going to be. The companies that survive will be able to offer both experiences. It will revert to the mean. You have you have high-performing clubs that are in good locations and they also have the option to do uh, the digital experience at home with a content platform utilizing you know your apple tv or and that and that's why you know i would bet long term if you know for whoever wants to listen i would bet on apple really being the major player in the space going forward because they have the fitness tracker watch yeah. they have the they have the apple tv in home so it's not limited to just the peloton screen or just the tonal screen or the mirror yep. you can stream anything through that and I think what you're going to you're going to see is that that that's going to be um, they're very well positioned to sort of take that over. Anyone could create the content. It's a very um, you know cash intense business to be in, and yeah. Peloton spends so much money on it. But um, but uh, you, you're, the future is that you're going to have to offer everything. You have to offer the at home, and you have to offer the in the you know the yep. the brick and mortar experience. That's going to be premium and whoever can adapt to that and do that fastest it's not a binary either it's oh you're either peloton or you're equinox and that's it there's and then and then what's also happened is you've had a barbelling of the industry where you have uh you know planet fitness at ten dollars and equinox 150 and they're the surviving businesses and everyone else is kind of getting wiped out yeah kind of like the uh the the country as a whole now let's squeeze in a live call here let's go to steve in palo alto you want to talk about morgan stanley Yes. Um, so I don't own it right now, um, okay. but I just wanted your recommendation on when would be a good entry point uh, to purchase that stock. Well, Morgan Stanley has been kind of a middle of the road player here for uh, since the the, the the recovery from uh, post pandemic, and you know it's not quite at the highs. It's making a, a little bit lower high at these levels. You know I don't love the bank, the the commercial bank stocks. Now this is more of an investment bank. The investment banks, commercial banks, have kind of become more similar uh, throughout the years post financial crisis. 
Um, so, you know, it's not my favorite uh, in the space um, or the space in general just isn't my favorite. But um, the value from a valuation perspective, you know, at about high 30s, right now we're at 51. That would be uh, enough of a discount for me to get really interested in the name. Um, but until then, you know, it's just kind of a eh for me. Don't love it. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899 We have about 10, 12 minutes left in the show. So if you want to get your call in about anything uh, or just uh, ask Anthony a question, you can certainly do that uh, as well. Now, I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. Our podcast download statistics show that for September, we achieved more than 860,000 downloads. So, Steve and I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and for telling your friends and family members about our free investing and finance podcasts. And of course, we are welcome to call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We would love to help you. We want to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888 chart. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Hi, guys. I just had a hypothetical question that I was hoping you could answer. I was just reading an article, and they were talking about an opinion that maybe ExxonMobil and Chevron could one day merge. And I was just curious if that were to happen, it got me wondering what would happen to their individual stocks if that were to happen. Thanks a lot for your time. I'll be listening on the podcast. Bye. Now, I don't know if I believe that's actually going to happen. That's, that would be uh, probably the largest merger uh, of all time. You're talking about two absolute behemoths in the energy industry. Uh, now, what would happen to the stock? A lot depends. Is is Exxon's kind of swallowing Chevron or vice versa? Right now, Exxon's worth about 145 billion and Chevron 137 billion. So they're roughly the same size in, in market cap. So what happens with the stock depends on what that hypothetical merger would look like. And uh, so it's hard for me to give you really a straight answer until that event actually happens. So thanks for the call. Now, getting back with the president and founder of Hyperice, Anthony Katz. Now, before the break, we talked kind of about the industry as a whole, uh, the fitness industry as a whole. Now, I kind of want to talk about the retail industry as a whole. Now, you sell your products through. You talked about Best Buy uh, is your biggest account. You have Nordstrom's, Bloomingdale's. Obviously, you sell on Amazon and, and your own site as well. So how do you see the retail landscape evolving uh, now that we're post-COVID? Kind of what and what what retailers did you see kind of succeeded uh, post-COVID the most besides Amazon, obviously? Uh, and, and do you think any of them can avoid being eaten by Amazon without government regulation? Well, I think the way I look at retail is pretty much like I look at every other business or industry is that whoever is the most adaptable will thrive. 
and you know it's like you know if you look at the current retail landscape the other key element of being a successful retailer today is um, what is the in-store experience? Like, what can you give me when I go into a store that I can't get online because online and Amazon has been so dominant? And so, you know, I think Apple really changed the whole way people look at retail, right? You go in there and it's an experience and you have more high-skilled workers, really educated about the product. Um, you know, when you go and meet an Apple store employee, you there's a certain level of respect and knowledge that they have about, that, the, that products, they have about yeah. the products and so therefore you would look at someone on the floor of an apple store no different than you would the inside of the headquarters and like um in the whole experience of getting to go in and um you know having an immersive experience retail just cannot be stuff on shelves anymore it's just it, it, that that it, that era is over I so mean, why do you think best buy has done so well best buy has kind of taken some elements from the apple store i also think that in the age of technology best buy is selling technology they're selling yeah. things that are in high demand so yeah. um you know and there, there's a lot of people that go and actually discover things on best buy you know in, in best buy you go and hey there's a new camera system for my house i didn't know about or there's this new you know, high-tech baby monitor or maybe a new product from Nest. Um, it's easy to it, browse in person than yeah, just online if you really want to, like, get your hands on the products and really uh, dig into the, the features. And they've, and they've done a good job, I think, of staffing with knowledgeable um, people on the floor. Um, and so whenever we look at retailers and we want to say, like, hey, what's the experience? How is the brand presented? And is there is it a good look for the brand? And you know, Best Buy has, I think, adopted a lot from the Apple Store, and you're seeing a lot more demos in store. And so, um, yeah, I think that that those those two things, the business has to adapt, and they have to create an experience in store that you can't get online. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, uh, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every day on Invest Talk is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Jay from Petaluma. I'm calling about Nautilus, N L S, Nautilus. It is a home gym Peloton competitor at a much cheaper price. It might be a little too late to hop in on this now since uh, it's probably been doing pretty well throughout COVID, but I just want your opinion on it. It's a lot cheaper than Peloton, and I feel like there might still be some room in that sector. The PE is not showing up on two of my stock apps, so I'm not sure why there's no PE. Thank you for the help, and I'll listen to your question on the podcast. Bye. All right, looking at Nautilus. NLS is the symbol. And the reason that the P isn't showing up because it's probably looking at trailing earnings, which were negative last year of $0.72 cents a share. This year, though, they're supposed to make $1.14, and this has been on a tear since the, the start of the recovery in the market. The 52-week low is $1.20. Now we're at $23.54, right at a 52-week high. And you know, the big question is, are you late to the game after this uh, this massive rally? There's like a dollar fourteen this year, but it, only seventy seven cents next year. And go back to Anthony said, you know, there's there's certainly going to be a continuation of uh, the at home trend. 
but there needs to be other aspects of uh, their business that that is sustainable. So the the momentum in the stock will probably keep it going higher um, until there's some sort of letdown in earnings, for example, right? If earnings season uh, disappoints, this is a company that could easily have a 20, 30, 40% setback in a day because a lot is dependent on this at-home trend continuing. So from a valuation standpoint, uh, you know, I don't love it long-term, but near-term, that momentum could likely continue. Now let's get back to our final question for president and founder of Hyperice, Anthony Katz. Now, this, the, you know, that Nautilus talks about there's, there's a lot of um, uh, products that are people buying for at home. Obviously, people are buying products for uh, at home of yours, like the Hypervolt for soft tissue therapy, uh, Normatec for obviously leg recovery, uh, even arm recovery, uh, and, and foam rollers and, and vibration, heat and vibration uh, products like the Viper. Uh, you know, th- there's so much that you have uh, that, that is being used by professional athletes, and this new partnership is bringing on a lot of professional athletes to your brand. Uh, how do you approach marketing with these high-profile athletes that, that to lead your campaigns? How important are they nowadays in the marketing landscape? Well, I look at it in, two, in sort of like in two phases of high price. You know, we had professional athletes um, involved in the first few rounds of the seed funding. So we already had about, you know, a dozen or so professional athletes who were already investors. What's really changed in 2020 is the league partnerships, the NBA, the NFL, um, PGA, MLB, UFC, to name a few. And when you are the official partner, you have media rights to use likeness with in-uniform game footage. Um, You are able to leverage the athlete through the league a lot more powerfully than you can just on your own. So if you look at a brand, other than your social media channels, what other real reach do you have outside of that? The league is a platform to help market the players. Um, So what, what was so powerful about bringing these athletes on now is that we are also doing the partnership with all their leagues and like with a guy with an investor like Ricky Fowler doing the PGA now being able to work with the PGA and promoting that. So we can go to the PGA and say, Hey, we're going to launch with, um, you know, you know, uh, we're launching a new product at this major and we're going to have Ricky do some media around it or whatever it is. And so you're able to use the league as a platform to help really leverage the the value of your athletes where some companies make a mistake is they think they just get athletes a brand and by throwing them up on their website and their marketing materials, they think that's just sort of uh, going to, going to have this huge impact on the brand. And a lot of times it doesn't. And I think you're able, better able to tell a story too, when, when you have that kind of partnership, right? Yes. And it just, and it just, there's a big difference between seeing footage of Patrick Mahomes, you know, working out in training gear in the off season um, and you know, game footage of him, you know, you know, throwing a touchdown pass in, in your in your advertising, and because these league partnerships come with media buys, you're advertising during the games, and it just has a whole nother level of like you know gravity to it. Definitely. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, we've been talking with founder and president of Hyper Ice, Anthony Katz. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday. Steve Peasley will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts for free download on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and always investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. 
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.